our topic today out of Hezekiah, uh, Second Chronicles, chapter 29, Hezekiah's revival. And so, uh, start off with uh, our timeline here, uh, as we've been covering the kings of Judah and of Israel. On the bottom part of the chart are the kings of, of Judah, the southern kingdom. And in the northern part, after David, then Solomon, after Solomon, the kingdom splits in two, Rehoboam, um, in the, in the south in Judah, and then Jeroboam starts a new kingdom, kingdom of Israel, a split kingdom, a civil war is split, and begins uh, his own kingdom. And, and we see in the bottom, it's one continuous dynasty. There's lines connecting all the different kings. In the north, we have two kings, Jeroboam, and then his son Nadab, and then that's it. And then another two, and that's it. One guy, that's it, of his uh, uh, reign, and then uh, Omri has a few, Ahab, uh, and then so it's a split up kingdom, no dynasty taking place, uh, several small dynasties lasting a few amount of years. And so where we're at in Hezekiah, with Hezekiah we're also with the prophet Isaiah, and it's matching up time-wise with Hoshea, the last king of the northern tribes of Israel. So it kind of gives us a time frame and how far it was from David to Hezekiah, and again, the last king of the king of Israel, the kingdom of Israel. Uh, this blue line that runs through the middle uh, shows whether the kings in Judah were good or not good. And so we see it up close to the middle line meant they were good, and uh, you know most of them were good for a long period of time. Prior to Hezekiah, we see his father Ahaz was not good. There's a little dip there for a short period of time, 16 years that he reigned as king. But before him, Hezekiah's grandfather, Jotham, was a good king and did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And before him, Uzziah, Hezekiah's great-grandfather, did good for 52 years. And so the line is, for over 100 years, we have uh, good reigning kings in Judah. And then there's, like I say, a small dip during... Uh, uh, Ahaz, and then back up with Hezekiah. Okay, and again, matched up with the prophet Isaiah. Okay, so in 2 Chronicles 29, verse 1, Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abiyah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father, David, had done. And we just saw in that chart, David wasn't his initial, you know, his immediate father, but referring way back to, again, the David dynasty. Uh, David as his great, 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 however many greats that would be, uh, father. Uh, and specifically mentions that because his literal father was not, did not do what was right according to the Lord. Sometimes it will reference uh, the the king just before him, his father just before him, and say he did right like his father and then name that king. But here it goes all the way back, harkens back to David, that he did what was right according to his father David. Now, so he becomes king when he is 25 years old, doing what was right, and he did what was right. Well, how did he learn to do what was right if his father did what was wrong? He did the opposite. So how did he know to do his opposite? One thing was his mother, it mentions his mother, Abiyah, the daughter of Zechariah. Now that's not Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, that we have the Bible book, but we'll see 
he was a prophet. We'll get to that in a, in a, in a minute. Um, but also, he was 25 years old when he began his reign. And his father reigned for how long? 16 years. So he was nine years old when his father took over the kingdom. And so for the first nine years of his life, he had a good example in his grandfather of how to run a kingdom. And so even at nine years old, still uh, old enough to have some impression of the good days. Uh, and then, of course, his mother reminding him of the good days from when his grandfather uh, reigned. So now let's look a little bit about his mother. Well, her name, Abiyah, means uh, my father is Yahweh. Yeah, my father is God. My father is the Lord, uh, Jehovah, or however. My father is Yah, Abiyah. And he's the daughter, she was the daughter of Zacharias. Let's go a couple chapters before this, Second Chronicles chapter 26. Uzziah, Hezekiah's great-grandfather, reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. That's all we know, but so he was a prophet. He had visions of God, or at least understanding of the visions of God. Um, and King Uzziah would counsel with him and receive counsel from him. And, uh, and so he, he sought him all uh, his days, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So it was very well, time-wise, it, uh, it would fit in that this Abiyah uh, was this guy's daughter. Um, and so, uh, so his, uh, Uzziah learned from him, and his daughter learned from him, and no doubt Hezekiah learned from her about him and through him. So in the first month, back to chapter 29, Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3, in the first year of his reign, Hezekiah's reign, we're back to Hezekiah, in the first year of Hezekiah's reign, in the first month, it's the very first thing he started doing, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the Kohanim and the Levites and said to them, Sanctify yourselves, sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. In the 16 years that his father reigned, he had closed the doors to the temple, did not allow people to come in and worship the Lord, allowed a whole bunch of rubbish to build up in there, uh, and desecrated the place. And so the very first thing that Hezekiah is doing, in the very first month of his very first year of his reign, he says, we need to get back on track with God. And the way to get back on track with God is by putting the temple first. We need to repair the temple. We need to get the temple services going so that the people can hear about the Lord. And so he, and he tells the Kohanim and the Levites who are going to lead out in these services to sanctify themselves as well. Get their hearts right. Get the house of the Lord right. And uh, not only to sanctify and allow the Holy Spirit to come in, but also to get the rubbish out. In order for the Holy Spirit to come in, in order for God's Spirit to come in, the rubbish has to go out. There's not room for both. He goes on and says, verse 6, Our fathers trespassed and did evil in the eyes of the Lord God. So now he, he begins confessing, confessing openly to the people, acknowledging exactly what the problem was. Doesn't sugarcoat it. 
and say, okay, we're just going to move forward from here. And he acknowledges, our fathers trespassed and did evil in the eyes of the Lord God. They forsook him, turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord, and turned their backs on him. They shut up the doors of the vestibule, put out the lamps, and did not burn incense or offer burnt offerings to the God of Israel. So they shut down the whole temple service, which was so crucial to worshiping God. The sacrifices, the burnt offerings, go all the way back to Adam and Eve, offering a sacrifice uh, right outside the Garden of Eden after they had sinned. It is the way that God ordained for us to receive forgiveness of sins was to have a substitute offering in our place. And so the lamb sacrifices were that substitute, the way to receive forgiveness. So they began, so, uh, they had stopped that. They shut out the lights, the menorah. They didn't let it burn, didn't light it. It was supposed to be lit uh, continually all the time. And they did not allow people in. Or burn incense, representing the prayer, the, in, the altar of incense. Uh, so no prayer is going up from the leaders to the Lord. So he acknowledges it as a sin. Our fathers trespassed and did evil in the sight of the Lord God. Verse 8. Thus the wrath of the Lord fell upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he has given them up to trouble, to desolation, and to jeering as you see with your eyes. For indeed, because of our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons, our daughters, and our wives are in captivity. So he acknowledges again there is sin in the camp, and problems have resulted as a result of that. And we see the problems with our own eyes. And as a direct result, of our sinning against God. Again, the sin has to go out, the rubbish has to go out for the spirit to come in. There's a direct result uh, that takes place. And I, the Assyrians were coming in and causing problems and taking captive uh, and, and uh, taking the, the, their fathers, their sons, their daughters, being fallen by the sword, taken captive, um, used as slaves, and, and who knows everything, whatever else. Uh, but horrible experiencing it before their eyes. And he says we need to get back with God. That needs to be our first priority. Getting back with God will begin solving these other problems. He dedicated himself, dedicated the people, and got their lives right with God. I knew a man once, he, uh, he came to me and he said he was under conviction that uh, he should be returning a faithful tithe and offerings to the Lord. He voluntarily came to me with that. God convicted him of that, uh, and he said, I, I need to do that. I haven't been doing that, uh, but I commit I'm going to do that. Okay, great. Praise the Lord. Uh, he didn't follow through on that commitment, and uh, a whole bunch of problems started happening in his life. And, uh, and so he came to me asking, why are all these things happening to me? I said, well, I don't know exactly why, but I do know that God convicted you. You told me that God convicted you. Uh, in a certain area, and you mentioned that it was the tithes and offerings, and you committed to get your life right back with God on that area, or get your life right with God in that area, and, uh, and you haven't. And, uh, and so maybe that's one of the reasons that uh, God is not able to protect you, and you've allowed the devil to come in. I think that'd be an aha moment. Instead, he got angry, <laughs> you know. How dare I bring that up to him again? So, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. But Hezekiah didn't see it that way. He saw the direct relation, 
We've sinned against the Lord, and we have problems, and it's a result of our sinning against the Lord. We've lost his protection. We've gone out from under his protection, and we've exposed ourselves to the devil. Verse 10. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that you should minister to him and burn incense. So he starts with himself. I have covenanted with the Lord. I have committed my life to the Lord. And I am encouraging. He calls him, verse 11, my sons. Now he's only 25 years old. So I don't think he's talking about literal sons here. Uh, but he's talking to the Levites and the Kohanim, and he's calling them sons. So now my sons, and most of them are probably older than he are. Actually, they'd have to be. I don't think the Kohanim, if I remember right, were allowed to even serve until they were like 30, right? So he's saying, my sons, uh, my sons, do not be negligent now. The Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him. Important calling, high calling, to minister to him, burn incense, praying for the people, interceding on their behalf. Foreshadowing, just as the lamb and the sacrifices foreshadowing the Messiah to come, who would be that sacrifice for us, who would lay down his life for us, who would pay and be that substitute, be that atonement for us, be that lamb of God for us. So also, the Levites and the Kohanim should be ministering and praying and burning the incense, and the, scent, the, the smoke ascending up into the holy place, representing the prayers of the saints ascending up before God. Again, foreshadowing the Messiah, interceding for us, praying in our behalf. Important role to represent the Messiah to the world. First, sanctify yourselves. Get your life right with God. Don't neglect this area. Put God first in every aspect. Like the story Karen read to us tonight. The person said they grew up in a family where they had morning and evening devotions reading the Bible and praying every day. Didn't realize how important that was or appreciate it till later on. What a privilege to grow up in that type of a home. What a privilege we have as adults to make that our habit, to make that a priority in our lives, to start the day with the Lord and to end the day with the Lord, to be with the Lord all through the day, but specifically shutting everything else off and spending time in prayer and reading his word. Start the day right, start our lives right, as a guy starting his reign right, starting our year right, starting right with the Lord, dedicating, committing ourselves, covenanting to be with him. Don't neglect this area. Get things right with the Lord so that we can stand before him and serve him and be his ministers. Verse 12, the Levites arose, gathered their brethren, sanctified themselves, and went according to the commandment of the king at the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. They obeyed. They heard the command of the king. They responded positively towards it. They went and sanctified themselves, started with themselves, and then went to start cleaning the temple. The house of the Lord. The house of the Lord is important. Having a house to worship the Lord is important. Having a place to come together in fellowship is important. We don't need it. 
mean, we can worship. We can worship under a tree somewhere. But it's important. Have a set place to be able to come. Hear God's word. Minister to each other. Minister to those that God is calling. Dedicate our lives to the Lord. And build up the house of the Lord. Verse 16, they went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the debris that they found in the temple of the Lord to the court of the house of the Lord and carried it to the brook Kidron. And they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. Several times through the Bible that they had to do this. And they keep on dumping the stuff in the brook Kidron. I mean, it must have just been (laughs) piling up there. They should do some archaeology down there. I'm sure they're going to find a bunch of stuff down there. Nasty stuff, right? I think maybe they don't even look there, right? And they sanctified them, the house of the Lord, in eight days. Isn't that interesting? Eight days, just like Hanukkah. The Maccabees were spiritual. They come after Hezekiah. They were spiritual people, godly people. They knew in rededicating, and that's what Hanukkah means, dedication, the festival of dedication, They rededicated themselves, and they dedicated to the temple of the Lord, and they dedicated it for eight days because that's how you did it. How Solomon did it when he dedicated it the first time, how Hezekiah is doing it, they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. Eight represents dedication through the Bible. Hezekiah gathered the rulers of the city and went to the house of the Lord. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, seven male goats for the sin offering, for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, and for Judah. They presented their blood on the altar as a sin offering to make atonement for all of Israel. Again, these sacrifices, the burnt offering, without it, there's no atonement. Without it, there's no at-one-ment with God. There's no bringing us back to God. We are born sinners, all of us. Everyone in this world are born separated from God. We are not born as God's children. We are born, all of us, born as children of the devil. But God has provided a way to make us at one back with him. We are created, we are born with a carnal need. Adam and Eve were created in God's image. But you weren't created in God's image. I can tell you that. (laughs) Neither was I. We were created in the devil's image. We are born in the devil's image. That's why we do devilish things. That's why it's easier for us to do devilish things than it is for us to do godly things. That's why it's easy for a person to spend hundreds of dollars on a football ticket and sit on a hard plastic bench so far up he can't even see anything. And everybody yelling around him, they can't even hear anything. Out in the cold and snow and bundled up with blankets on top of him for hours. And yet to come to a service and sit in a nice, comfortable pew in a nice air-conditioned or heated uh, building is so hard to do. Because the carnal nature doesn't care. The devil doesn't care if you go watch the football game. But the devil puts a block at the entrance to the Lord's house. And it takes the Holy Spirit of God to get us here. It takes the power of the Lord transforming our hearts to get us here. That's why. That's why it's easy for people to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a dog 
But to give to the Lord is so difficult because we're born with a carnal nature. And that's why we need to be born anew. God needs to make an atonement for us. All these atonements, all these sacrifices, seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, seven male goats, represented the Messiah, pointing forward to the Messiah, who would be that atonement, who would be that offering, who would be that sin offering, who would pay the price for us. A sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, and for the people. To cleanse the house, to clean the nation, and to cleanse us individually. It's only through the sacrifice. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. That's why God instituted, that's why they killed all those animals. That's why the Messiah left heaven, came to this earth, to die for us, to be that sacrifice, to take our sins upon himself, to take our carnal nature, to take our sinful thoughts, our sinful desires, to break Satan's hold over us, and to buy us back, to take us back from the devil. Removing the rubbish out of us, placing it in himself, and then he's able to put his spirit into us and sanctify us. He's able to put his mind into us, his heart into us, and make us his holy temple for the Lord. The Bible talks about us individually being temples of the Holy Spirit, temples of the Ruach HaKodesh, temples of God's spirit. God wants to dwell inside us and live inside us and make us temples. The Bible talks about the Messiah himself being the temple of the Lord. And the Bible also talks about as a congregation, as a body of believers, we are a temple of the Lord with Yeshua as the chief cornerstone and each of us fit together, bound together, relying on him, putting our weight upon him, built up together as a temple of the Lord. He is the sacrifice. He has provided himself, the Messiah has provided himself as our sin offering to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness and to make atonement, to make us at one with God, one in harmony with God, to bring our minds, our thoughts, our desires, our one with him. So the thoughts that God has, he gives to us. The mercy, the compassion, the caring for those that are lost. The prayers, the intercessions for those who are evil and doing evil. For those that cause us problems, for those who cause us trouble and heartache. To give us his mind, a forgiving, loving heart. To give us balance in our lives. To give us victory over sin and a hatred for sin. And a love for God. It's a miracle of God. A divine love for God. It's a miracle of God for us to come to services. It's a miracle for, of God for us to even desire to hear his word. It's a miracle. And he comes and he does that miracle in our hearts and lives. It gives us a desire for what is right and to do what is right. It makes us generous and faithful and trusting, believing, walking in the word of the Lord obedient and at the same time 
merciful and loving towards others while not allowing them to walk all over us or abuse us. Balance. Forgiving, but no wise excusing the sins. Hezekiah didn't excuse the sins of his father. He called them sin. He called them trespasses. And he went about turning things around and reforming it. We need to allow God to reveal in our own lives what area needs to be turned around, what area needs to be, what rubbish needs to be taken out, dumped into the brook Cadron, and what God wants to tra- change in us to make us at one with God. That's how miraculous, that's how powerful, that's how transformational God does. Turns us from being enmity against him, hatred for him, to making us loving and attracted to him. The miracle of God. To make us totally against him, to making us at one with him. And changing our thoughts that are evil to thoughts that are his thoughts. It's a miracle. But that's how powerful, and that's how much, and that's how full, that's how complete God wants to change us by his power, by his divine power. He'll give us everything he has given us, everything we need for godliness, to be partakers of his divine nature. Miracle of God. Verse 29. When they had finished offering... The king and all who were with him bowed and worshipped. King Hezekiah commanded the Levites to sing praises to the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and they bowed their heads and worshipped. See the order? They acknowledged there was sin in the camp, in their lives. They sanctified themselves, they consecrated themselves, they dedicated themselves, they turned their lives over to God, they allowed him to do his work, they offered the sacrifice, they built up the temple of the Lord, put that before themselves, I mean, sanctified themselves, but before their own needs. Put God first, sanctified themselves, the work of the Lord second, the house of the Lord offered the sacrifices to receive forgiveness and transformation, ministered to others, and then worshipped the Lord with singing praises, with gladness, and bowing their heads and worshipping. True worship goes through those stages. Worship is not just coming together and just singing. People think that's the worship. Singing is not worship if it's done with an unclean heart. It's hypocrisy. Singing worship and praising worship and singing with gladness comes as a result of those other things. It springs forth naturally. Again, naturally, it's not natural for us to sing praises to God. But when we allow him to live inside us, allow him to remove the rubbish out, his spirit just praises the Lord. And brings forth praises and worship in harmony with God's word. They go back and they pulled out the Psalms of David. 
and began singing the Psalms of David, singing God's word. The worship was established on God's word, on what God did. They worshiped him, and they worshiped him together. Again, you can't do that with a television evangelist. They worshiped the Lord together. They built up the house of the Lord so that the house of the Lord could be a place where people could be ministered to, a sanctuary, a safe place to hear about the Lord and to grow in the Lord and to minister to others. That's what God has called us to be. A safe haven, a temple for the Lord, to sing his praises and to worship him bowed down before him, acknowledging him as king and Lord of our lives. And so I'd like to invite each of us tonight, as God impresses your mind individually and personally, any area in your life where there's rubbish there, any area in your soul, any area in your mind, any built-up rubbish, Maybe you received it from your father. Maybe you received it from your mother. Maybe you received it, inherited it. Maybe there's inherited, cultivated, inherited uh, sins in your life. You want to call it what it is. Lord, my parents, my grandparents, great-grandparents, whatever, third, fourth generation, familiar sins, I want to call it sin. I'm calling it sin right now, Cleanse my heart of what they've instilled in me, what I received from them. Maybe there's some cultivated sin. Maybe some sin you learned growing up. Maybe some sin you, you saw and watched and experienced from other people, friends or neighbors or other family members or at school. Some cultivated sins. Maybe some of your own choices and you've cultivated it. You've grown it. It's become habitual. You want to acknowledge it as sin and rubbish in your life. Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting you something that you inherited all the way back from Adam and Eve and all the way back from the devil. Some carnal nature in your heart and mind. You want God to cleanse the rubbish out of your life. Cleanse the results. Cleanse the garbage. Cleanse the guilt. The heartache the hurt, the pain, the blame, the anger, the bitterness, the resentment, the doubt, the discouragement, despondency. Allow God to cleanse it all and wash you clean. Maybe you're being harassed. Maybe the devil is having a heyday on you harassing you, maybe because there's some open door. Maybe several areas of your life are all right with the Lord, but maybe there's just one area. Maybe just one thing lacking. Make sure every door is shut to the devil, every window locked. Don't let him have a foothold in you. As Yeshua said, the devil has nothing in me. The devil doesn't have to have anything in any of us. Consecrate our lives to the Lord.
some of us here that need to reconsecrate our lives to the Lord and sanctify ourselves, like the Kohanim and the Levites. They need to sanctify themselves, get your life right with God, be set aside for holy use, for holy actions, doing what's right in the sight of the Lord, growing, sanctified, growing in the Lord, becoming more and more in His image. Maybe the Lord's laid on your heart a burden or a conviction to do something or to not do something. To minister to somebody or to do something right in your house or in the house of the Lord. When we pray in another moment, ask God to give you his power to move forward and do what he has revealed to you. On your own strength, you won't be able to, you'll fail, but by God's power, we do all things through Yeshua who strengthens us. Maybe you've put off the house of the Lord. Maybe you've consecrated your life to the Lord. Maybe you've allowed him to cleanse you of rubbish. Maybe you've allowed him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Maybe you've serving him and sanctified in him. But you've neglected the house of the Lord. In ministering in the house of the Lord in building up the house of the Lord, both with our time and our resources and our gifts and our talents. Maybe you've neglected serving the Lord in the house of the Lord. Maybe you're just doing your own little thing here or there, and that's good, and that's fine. There's also a coming together and doing together, networking together. Like the Hanukkah lights all together on one menorah with the Shamus candle at the head. Hezekiah consecrated himself, sanctified himself, sanctified the leaders, and they restored the house of the Lord as well. An important part as well. Maybe that's an area you've been neglecting. Maybe that's something God's speaking to your heart about. Whatever it is, surrender it to the Lord. And ask God to give you his spirit and his power to follow it through. Then we saw also where then they came together and worship the Lord, praising with gladness, joy, bowed head before the Lord. Maybe you've neglected worshiping the Lord in that way too. Maybe you've neglected singing praises to Him. Maybe you've neglected coming together and bowing before Him. Maybe you've not filled with His gladness and His joy. Ask Him to give you the joy of the Lord. Ask him to give you his peace and his presence and his divine gladness, his divine joy, his perfect peace. And then sing forth his praises. Not just Psalms of David, but going forth and telling others, singing his praises at school, and at work, and in our neighborhood, telling others of what God has done for us. So if any of these areas apply to you tonight, or maybe some other area that God is speaking to you tonight, let us pray together and let God work his work, his divine work, in us. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we praise your name, Lord, for the divine example that you've given to us in Hezekiah. Example that you've given to us throughout your word.
And Lord, we want to follow that example. We want to dedicate our lives to you. We want to consecrate our lives to you. We want you to forgive us and wash us clean through the sacrifice of the Messiah, of everything and all rubbish, and we give you permission to remove it out of our hearts and minds. Whatever sins, whether from our parents or grandparents or things that we chose to do ourselves, things that were done to us or things that we've done to others, places and areas where we've neglected you, forgive us, wash us clean. Fill us with your spirit, fill us with your power, fill us with your word, and move us forward by your power. Sanctify us, make atonement with us, give us your mind and your heart and your thoughts and your desires and your power and your actions. Lord, build us up as a congregation together, moving forward and shining your light throughout this area. Lord, we want to praise you and thank you and give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. And even as we partake of your divine nature, you are still the only divine one. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.